Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. We are in a unique season right now where a number of um, different parachurch staff members who are part of the church are being called other places, um, which is bittersweet that we are... Uh, we love when they are here, and we're excited for what God is calling them to, but we're on the, the losing end. Um, what does Mark Altrugge said? What did he say? Does anybody know? What did he always say? That's right. The quote the Eagles. There we go. So hopefully sometimes you like boomerangs, you come back. Uh, we are going to uh, take a break from Matthew, but this Sunday and next Sunday. This Sunday is because all of us were at youth camp. And next Sunday is because we're having a new Sunday. So we're going to actually turn to the book of Psalms. So if you have a Bible or a phone, uh, pull up Psalm 1. Psalm <coughs> 1 should be in the middle of the middle of your Bible. It will take a few pages. Let me pray. Jesus. Thank you for salvation that you offer to all. Thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, would you please bring your word to life. Lord, we pray you would fill us with your spirit. We, we know there are most likely many tired people here because of youth camp. Lord, would you arrest our attention and help us to encounter you. And I ask for your help and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one of the things we do at camp a ton is just like call out questions and answers all the time. Uh, just seems to work well. So does anybody know when summer begins? And what day of the week is that? Wednesday, last Wednesday, June 21st. So we are going to look at Psalm 1. And uh, one of my hopes is, let's say your Bible reading kind of um, has taken a back seat a little bit, or maybe your Bible, if you looked at it at home, it's got a little dust on it, You're, you just kind of lost your way, and spending time in God's Word, one of my primary prayers is this would reignite that. And so if you don't have a regular Bible reading plan right now, maybe the book of Psalms, all 150, will be a good plan for the summer. And Psalm 1 is an introduction to the book of Psalms, really Psalm 1 and 2, and then the end of the Psalms are kind of like bookends for all 150 Psalms. And so if you're, if you're looking for a plan, um, the book of Psalms could be that plan. Let me just give you a big picture of the book of Psalms. Like I said, there's 150 of them. Um, it is believed that King David compiled them. He wrote many of them, but not all of them. And there were a number of other authors. Um, they are um, what, what is called um, part of the wisdom literature of the, the Old Testament, so you think of the book of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, um, and they're very poetic in nature. So even our, our main passage today, you're going to see these this imagery that the psalmist uses to be able to teach and to grab our attention. So it's Hebrew poetry. Um, unless you went to a, a Jewish school when you were raised, I, I imagine none of us were raised and trained in Hebrew poetry. And within Hebrew poetry, there's a number of sub-genres. So you think of 
your 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 favorite kind of music. So throw out what what's what kind of music do you like? Rap, alternative, country. Within all those, if you if you know that that genre, you know within that genre there's a bunch of sub-genres. Um, over my life, I was a, a 90s kid, so um, alternative grunge was my thing. But there's, there's kind of like soft grunge and harder grunge, and there's a whole kind of uh, spectrum there. Um, I was also an 80s kid um, when Young TV Raps came out, so I spent tons of time uh, wasting time in the summer watching Young TV Raps at lunchtime while I ate my sandwich and was supposed to be doing chores while my parents were at work. Um, if you like country, you know, like there's all kinds of genres there. So you get the idea. Each, each song <coughs> has a sub-genre. The one we're going to look at today is didactic, meaning it teaches. It's a teaching psalm. It's meant to instruct. And Psalm 1 is, is cool in the way it is structured. It has this unique structure that, especially if you looked at it in the original language, it's intended to help memorize it, to, to make it stick. So that's kind of the big picture of the book of Psalms, and today we're going to look at Psalm 1. It is only six verses, and the title is A Vision for a Fruitful Life. A Vision for a Fruitful Life. And as we read this description, we're reading it through the lens of the gospel, of the good news that Jesus, who is fully God, fully man, came to earth, and he perfectly obeyed. He perfectly obeyed what we're going to read about in Psalm 1 today. And so when we turn from our sins, we trust in Jesus, we're covered with his righteousness, and we are freed by the Holy Spirit to pursue the Lord and to obey him and enjoy him. And so it's, it's through that lens that we read Psalm 1. Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This psalm basically teaches two ways to live. A life of pursuit of the Lord, or a life of rejection of the Lord, and a pursuit of our sinful desires and cravings. And, and the way this is structured, it's going to go back and forth with a negative and a positive, a negative and a positive. So we begin with the negative. We're going to have four points from this passage. Point one, the way of the wicked must be avoided. This is a teaching psalm, so it, it's intended to warn and to encourage, warn against what will destroy us and encourage us to what will, will satisfy us at the deepest heart level. Look at verse 1 again. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, 
nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. This is, if you're interested, this, this little progression here is known as step parallelism. So you get ideas that you, you picture like steps going up or steps going down. They build upon each other. They're related, but they, 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 they move a direction. And that direction is intended to teach. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, but he's walking, nor stands in the way of sinners, but he's now going to sit. Now sits in the seat of scoffers or mockers. So the, the blessed man, the God-fearing man or woman who has put their hope in the Lord is, is not to do this. There's no life found here. Uh, a few weeks ago, as some of you know, uh, my part of my family, Mary and I, and my son Adam were on vacation in Shrikatik, Virginia. And one of the things Adam and I love to do is uh, um, crab, so do like hand line crabbing. So with rotten chicken, um, kind of gross, but it's, the crabs love it. And so uh, we were crabbing early one morning, and there's a couple other guys there, and I was just talking to the guy kind of nearby, and Adam's like, I think I got a really big one, Dad. And uh, so he's pulling this thing, and he's really pulling. I was like, oh, that's weird. Um, he is the biggest crab known to man, or it's something else. And so he's pulling and pulling, and I thought, like, wow, we'll just keep pulling. We'll see what happens. And it was a huge snapping turtle, like huge. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, if you know Bob Ray, I'm, I'm similar to Bob Ray in many ways. When we go places, we just talk to people, we get to know people. And uh, happened to be talking to a guy nearby who was also crabbing. We were talking all morning, really cool guy. And uh, he's like, hey, wait a minute, I'll help you out. So he grabs a hold of this thing by the tail and yanks it up. His estimate was it weighed about 25 pounds, and I believe he's a strong guy. And uh, he's holding the thing, and it's snapping at him, but he's holding it out. And as he's holding it, then he gave me his camera. I think he was smoking, so he put it, he did something, and all of a sudden I have his camera, got a cigarette, he's got a snapping turtle in another hand. And he's one of those guys that is totally chiseled and a chain smoker all at the same time. So for those of you who work out, it's very discouraging. But there, there are people like that. And so he was one of them. So he's holding this turtle, it's snapping. And he said to Adam and I, you know, if you get any closer, it's just going to take a chunk out of your leg. So we believe him. <laughs> this thing's snapping. So then he throws it to a different part of the water, and he tells us a crazy story, a somewhat disturbing story. You want to hear it? Okay. So he, he goes back to his childhood. This guy was a little bit younger than me. So he said when he was about 14, um, he and his buddy were sitting at a dock in a pond, and his buddy was dangling his fingers through, yeah, you know where this is going. <laughs> through the, the cracks um, in the dock, and the water was underneath. And he's just dangling and dangling. And all of a sudden, the snapping turtle came up, took off two of his fingers. So when he told us that story, and he warned us, stay away from the mouth of a snapping turtle, we believe every single word this man told us. And, um, and so what am I not going to do? I'm not going to mess around with the snapping turtle. I'm not going to pet its mouth or its head. What, what was the purpose of that warning? Was he trying to scare us? No, he was actually trying to protect us. He was trying to teach us. Uh, that's the same thing the psalmist is doing here. It's didactic in nature. It's meant to teach. Oh, you can go this way. You can go in the path of the wicked or the, the, the way of the sinner, or you can sit with the mockers. And for a time, there's, there's some enjoyment there's some pleasure, 
But the end is always bad. The end is always destruction. So the psalmist says, the way of the wicked must be avoided. It must be avoided. You don't want to play with fire in this realm. Because what happens when we start down a path as an unbeliever, we're born on that path. And as a believer, we can, we can sometimes go down the wrong path. What happens is it, it entices and it pulls you in and it sucks you in. And then you are, if you are a Christian, you're kind of re-enslaved to your passions and desires. And if that's you this morning, the Lord wants to spring you once again, set you free once again. If you don't know the Lord and you are just on that path of unbelief and doubt and mocking and turning to willful, rebellious things, the Lord wants to warn you that heaven and hell are real. Those who reject Jesus spend eternity under the wrath of God in hell. And those who trust in Jesus experience what we sang about this morning, this wonderful reality of who will be with the Lord forever. So, the path of the wicked must be avoided. Point two, the way of the righteous delights in the Lord. So it's Turn away from this and turn to that which will only and ever satisfy. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. Sometimes these, these exaggerations um, get us hung up. Like, does he really meditate on the Bible day and night? Like, quit his job, quit all his responsibilities, and just do this? The psalmist is intending an exaggeration there, so that we get the point, that there is a mindfulness and awareness of the Lord while you're at work, while you're doing all your different responsibilities at home, whatever it would be, that deep in there, in your soul, there is a an eye to the Lord, there is a, 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 um, a connection in your relationship with the Lord. I mean, think about it this way. For those of you who are married, it's like, you know, you're not with your spouse every moment of every day, but you are with your spouse every moment of every day. That you're thinking about them. You're mindful of them. You're in different places doing different things, but there's still an awareness. Even much more so, that's how it should be with the Lord. And Jesus alone is the one who perfectly obeyed this. In the original context with the original recipients, this delighting on the law of the Lord would have been the 39 books of the Old Testament. So let's see if I can show you here. Roughly, I'm going to miss it page two, but it would be about this much. So a large majority of the Bible they were to be in and thinking about because that's how they know God. That's how they grow in their relationship. For us, as New Covenant believers, those who have received salvation through Jesus, we have 27 more books of the Bible. So we have 66 books of the Bible that are intended to teach us to meditate on the Lord, His goodness, His grace, His forgiveness, His hope for every and all sinners who turn to Him, His his remedy for the guilt and shame that we have because of our past decisions and choices and sins. All in there. 
Now, if we're honest, this book, unless you are a reader, reader, can, can seem like a, a daunting book. And the command to read it and be in it and really enjoy it seems really hard. And if that's you, that was me when I met Jesus. I, I really didn't read, so let alone a book this big. This is a very big book that covers centuries and different cultures. And I mean, there's so much to learn and to, to know. And I remember praying, Lord, just give me a desire. I don't even like to read. If this is, is this, if this is what we got, give me a desire. Give me a, a taste. Give me a hunger. And he did. And he will answer the same prayer for you. Start little. Maybe this summer you start through the Psalms. One of the beauty of the Psalms is they wrestle with life. They wrestle with the things that we experience. So if you're experiencing desertion from friends, Psalms are your place to go. If you're seeing people that are living in rebellion and seem seemingly really happy and having no consequences, the Psalms have stuff to say about that. If you just need to Bring your attention away from yourself to the Lord. The Psalms will help you there. This is a wonderful gift from the Lord. Third point. The way of the righteous is the way of spiritual abundance. If, if we spend time with the Lord as born-again believers, if we pursue Him, you can expect a spiritually fruitful Abundant life. Not an easy life, not a pain-free life, not a, a life with no trouble, but deep in your soul, a very God-satisfied, abundant life. Notice the descriptive metaphor that we get here in Psalm 1-3. He or she, those who pursue the Lord, is, is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaves do not wither, and all that he does prospers. This is another example of that same device, the step parallelism. They're, they're building upon each other. It's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does prospers. The idea of this metaphor, the original recipients were, were, would naturally ask these kind of questions. How is he like a tree? How is she like a tree? How will I be like a tree? In what ways? What kind of tree? It, it's to, to stir us to think. So I want you to picture in your mind a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. So you're picturing a tree. It's not a barren tree. It's not a sparse tree. It's an abundant tree. Uh, my family and I moved into the house we live in about 11 years ago, be 12 years this fall. And one of the things we did, we have a lower part of our yard that's super swampy, especially when it rains. And so um, my son Isaac and I went and we planted this tiny little willow tree. It was just like a stick. We're like, well, seven bucks. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, <laughs> now it is this big, abundant willow tree. So that the plan worked. So I saw a lot of water, 
And I thought, well, maybe it could suck up all the water and it'll grow fast and it will be a vibrant tree. And if you come to my house, I'll show you. It is a big and vibrant tree at the bottom of our yard where no one goes and no one sees it except myself when I'm mowing the lawn. But it is a beauty <laughs> to look at. Well, that's the picture that you will be like spiritually. Or if you're familiar with AEP, you go to the oak grove. The oak grove is filled with old oak trees. And I did a little research that, um, depending on the age, as they age, their, their roots can, they don't go real deep, they go about four feet deep, but they can spread about 90 feet in various directions so that they, they hold no matter what comes their way. And I don't know how old the oldest tree is, but let's say it's 70 or 80 or 90 years old in the oak grove. Just think of all the different things those trees have endured. And if you go there in the summertime, one of my favorite things to do is just this beautiful canopy of green leaves um, that you get for walking. So if it's raining, you can stand near it and you won't get that wet. All because they have grown abundant. See, the, the thing about growth, spiritual growth, is it, it's almost impossible for you or I to gauge it when we're growing. You need friends, you need family members, you need others to encourage and point out where they see you have grown over the years. Because it's just you. We know our minds, we know our hearts, we, we, it's just hard to assess your own growth. Sometimes it might feel like you're not growing at all. Sometimes it might feel like you're growing in the wrong direction. But if you are a born-again believer who is pursuing the Lord, you're going to grow. I, where I live, we have a whole bunch, over a hundred red pine trees. So, picture red bark and really tall pine trees. And honestly, they, my backyard looks pretty much the same as it did 11 years ago. So if I was like taking a, a lie detector test, did your trees grow up? I think so, but I'm not, honestly, I'm not really sure. Uh, except for one tree. There was one tree that I put a yellow strap around to hang a hammock on when we first moved into the home. And I nailed it in the tree, put a hook on it, and it the tree just kind of busted out from the strap. So the tree's getting wider and wider and wider. It's growing, even though if you're staring at it day after day, you can hardly see it at all. That's kind of how we are at times. So as Christians, encourage one another. Encourage where you see growth, spiritual growth, boldness, faith, courage. Whatever it would be, encourage one another. If you pursue the Lord, you will, you will grow. You'll grow your satisfaction for Jesus. You'll grow your peace. You'll grow your assurance. So believe God's Word. Seek to spend time in His Word. Keith McCracken, who, who did an outstanding job leading that second song today, he's a really good friend of mine, and uh, he and I do the same Bible reading program. He started um, about six months to a year ago, and he has frankly told me that as he's in God's Word and following this plan, it has had a huge, noticeable effect on his spiritual life. And I have seen close up the effect that the Lord has used his Word. So if you know Keith, ask him about that. He will encourage you to pursue the Lord day after day. Lastly, we're going back the other way, the contrast. The way of the wicked will not prosper.
prosper. The way of the righteous who pursues the Lord will be abundant, but the way of the wicked will not prosper. Verse 4. The wicked are not so. They're not like that abundant tree with dark green leaves and fruit in abundance. But they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Chaff is like the, the shell of the wheat. The human body actually can't even digest chaff. So chaff is this light shell that will just blow away and be gone. No lasting impact. No deep roots. See, the psalmist wants us to read Psalm 1, 1 through 6, and get the contrast. It's it's sharp. There's life and abundance, and there's a barren scene that's just death. That's empty. That's aloneness. There's fellowship with the Lord and others. There's biting and devouring on this side. Before I met Jesus, I was in the kind of the, the second wave of um, the hippie stuff that happened in the 60s and then it kind of caught fire again in the late 80s and the 90s, just like 80s and 90s are catching fire now again. Um, what was interesting though, all the talk of love, I was in that scene, there was a lot of backbiting and fighting and sins and, and backstabbing and all kinds of ugliness, even though it was under the guise of love. The same thing was in true in the 60s. If you've studied Woodstock at all, just that little microcosm, there's a lot of not good stuff happening there, all under the guise of love. See, the, the real life is found in Jesus and pursuing him. The way of the wicked will not prosper. But here's the challenge. It is true that certain sins have an amount of pleasure, or you wouldn't do them. You wouldn't pursue them. Even, even if you are if you are prone to anger, in the moment it might feel really good to let the wrath out. But the aftermath doesn't feel good at all. The devastation that you have caused in your friends and family or co-workers. See, for a moment it is pleasurable. But the end isn't lasting or satisfying. Raise your hand if you know what talkies are. Okay, you gotta be young to know what that Drew Allen, Drew Allen definitely knows what talkies are. Okay, so <laughs> talkies are these really spicy either chips or these like kind of long things or the food that you eat, snack food. And um, about a month ago, I was camping with my sister and her five kids and, and our, our group, and all the grown-ups and the older teens and 20-somethings were doing something, and I ended up in a cabin during the middle of the day with my son Adam, who's 15, and my nephew Zach, who's 14. They're like, hey, Uncle Joe, you ever have a talkie? You want to try some talkies? I'm like, sure, I'll try a talkie. And Fuego, Fuego, right? You know that <laughs> Yep. Um, that's the most popular flavor. That's the hottest flavor. And I did a little research on that. That flavor has actually been banned in certain states and certain schools. Um, so I tried it, and whatever's in the talkie, it's like your mouth's on fire. There's nothing in your mind that you think this is good for you, and you can't stop eating them at all. And so we just found this bag of talkies. 
I'll be doing worse than what I have to stop much. So, we'll go to the details. But the aftermath of eating a bag of puppies is not a good excuse um, in any way. And it happened to all three of us. Um, they tasted really good. They really did. We couldn't stop. We didn't, kiss, but we didn't really want to. And um, it reminds me of, you know, spiritually, that, that's kind of what sin is like. There's a momentary pleasure. And there, if we're not mindful of the big picture, that this ends poorly every time. Regret, shame, hurt of others. Um, we need to, to not take the bait and not see through the lies. It reminds me of Jeremiah 2.13, where Jeremiah is writing to God's people. And he says this, For my people have committed two evils. Number one, they have forsaken me. Number two, the, they have forsaken me the fountain of living waters. And number two, they hewed out cisterns for themselves. Cisterns containing no water. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. In other words, they, they turned away from the Lord and they pursued life in things that would not satisfy. If that's you, this is the time, as they said, the time is now to turn. Turn back to the Lord. You already know him, but you've drifted. Lord, help me. Help me, Jesus. And he will. Give me a desire for your word. Show me that you are the one that satisfies. Not the simple cravings and desires of my heart. And then the psalmist brings the psalm to a conclusion in verses 5 and 6. So verses 5 and 6 are a summary of what he just said in verses 1 through 4. Therefore... The wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So we come back to the two ways to live. You either hear, pursuing the Lord, calling out to Jesus for mercy and forgiveness and satisfaction, or you're here, turning your back on the Lord, running away from the Lord. Pursuing other things. If you're over here, this could be the most important day of your life. You don't have to keep running. No matter what you've done, Jesus can forgive you and rescue you. Just call out to him. And for those of you who are doing well, you're growing and your tree is abundant. Keep pursuing the Lord more and more. And maybe the impact you had in your younger years will pale in comparison to your later years. I mean, what a picture that will be. Maybe you were bold with the gospel in your 20s and your 30s. How much more bold you could be in your 70s and your 80s. One of the things that I do a lot is I spend time at the Y, swimming and doing other exercising. And I like the steam room. Some people hate it. Um, my wife feels like she's suffocating, but I kind of like it. And um, what I've found is I've had a lot of meaningful conversations with older gentlemen whose reality of their, their health, the neglect of their health, is hitting them hard. And they know they are in great trouble physically. And so they talk. And it's one of the gifts, I think, of age and poor health. It makes you mindful of things that maybe in your youth, weren't mindful. 
So if you are in your late 60s, 70s, and 80s, and you know the Lord, and your life is spiritually abundant, there is a harvest of baby boomers who don't know the Lord yet, that the Lord wants to use you to share the good news with. So keep pursuing the Lord no matter what age. Let me pray, and the band can come up. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the clarity of Psalm 1. Lord, give us this vision of an abundant life. And I pray each of us would cast all our cares and our burdens on you. Give us a hunger and a passion and a desire for your word that we might grow in relationship with you. And we will give you all the praise for that. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may all stand.